Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you season two of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. 10-5 victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of the Star. Star. Welcome to the Love of the Star podcast. I am Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 Fan in Dallas. Joined as always by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout Brian Broaddus. He is now the co-host of the GVAG Nation, 2 to 7 p.m., Monday through Friday. Uh, you can also catch him as the pre- and post-game co-host on the Dallas Cowboys Radio Network. And uh, you can also catch him on the draft show twice a week, me as well, both of us on DallasCowboys.com, uh, when I don't have sales meetings or other things that preclude me from uh, coming. But, uh, Brian, how you doing today? Robert, I am doing very well. Uh, I was in a hit-and-run accident last night. You were? Yeah, hit and so run. This is not, this is not uh, theater here, guys. No, I no. did not know that. What happened? I, I cannot leave our building over here on uh, Central Expressway without having something happen. I was so. Why did you? Why did you flee the scene? Uh, I yeah. Why did I flee the scene? Why did uh, you? Why? Or oh, you were the victim of a hit and run. Got it. Okay, sorry. Real quick, if I can, I, I don't. People have problems. Uh, this is the least. Uh, I mean, trust me. There's folks that have. A lot more problems. I've had my truck stolen from this building, and I was involved in a hit and run literally 500 yards from the front door of this building last Man. night. I was going uh, going down uh, McKinney, and a guy ran a stop sign, went right into the front left of my uh, car, which is basically brand new. So, Is uh, it totaled? No. I, I drove it. I was able to drive it. I drove it to the to – the, uh, repair place today but we just don't have a lot of parts in the world now you know because of the pandemic so yeah. i'm driving a render car uh you know i mean there's hey there's a lot more problems in the world but just unfortunate uh i was able to uh was able to get the license plates i took a picture of the guy's license plate as he's driving away and i had it so um unfortunately uh this gentleman i don't think was from here because uh, uh, I, I had a conversation with him, uh, very one-sided. Uh, and, then, and then he just left? He was talking to somebody on the phone, and they made a determination that you probably need to get out of there. He hit me in a Suburban. He had a Suburban with a trailer on the back. And uh, so, yeah. It's do, you wanna, do, you, do you want to just give out his license plate right now to everyone who's listening? No. No, I don't. Okay. I, I, All right. I'm going to let the Dallas Police Department handle that one. But, yeah, it's unfortunate. Oh. 
Yeah, it's unfortunate. Well, 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 maybe uh, maybe after the uh, Fox Four shows a picture of the suburban a month after the crime, uh, the Dallas police will catch him just like they did with the Kelvin Joseph situation. So, uh, yeah, that's good. Uh, best of luck to you on that, Brian. Thank you. Uh, okay, it, it'll be all right. Everything's fine. Like I say, it's good to be with everybody. Let's talk some Cowboys football. Let's talk some draft. Let's talk some whatever you want to talk about, Bobby. And whatever do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about Kelly Kapowski on my shirt from Saved by the Bell? Did she come into studio today, or is she coming? No, in? she didn't. I'm just. Uh, I just. I love this shirt. It's an old okay. Kapowski shirt. But we actually have Cowboys content to talk about. This is. I didn't, bring, I didn't mean to bring everybody down with my. No, it was good. I, I just. Can't, you- I can't catch a break with autos leaving this radio facility. That's my problem. It's a bad okay. omen. It's a bad, a bad omen, bro. Bad omen, yeah. This is this is the dead period for the Cowboys. It February, is. February 17th about now. You're talking about you're a few weeks out from their last playoff game. So there's not really any storylines we can still carry out of there. We've probably already kicked off a couple of the, hey, what are they going to do this offseason type questions. Yeah. Knock those out. And you're still a couple weeks, you know, a couple weeks away from the combine, being able to react to that. A couple weeks away from the draft, like this really is around here. Mid February is probably the deadest it'll be on Cowboys talk. But we are saved because Jory Epstein from Yahoo Sports cornered Dak Prescott at the Super Bowl, and she held on to the article until today uh, or until uh, Wednesday when she dropped it. And so uh, we have fresh Dak Prescott quotes. On the Cowboys offense, Brian, mm-hmm. and I don't. From what we we're talking about earlier, I don't think you've seen these yet. So this will be. No, I'll get. Yeah, I've been I'll working. Fresh. I've been, I've been doing stuff all morning, other than what I'm supposed to be doing. How about that? I'll get. I'll get fresh Brian <laughs> Broadus reaction here. So this is Jory's article at Yahoo Sports. Jory, by the way, one of the best uh, on the beat. She's she, best she, friends with Dak too, by the way. Oh, she she's she got and, a good relationship with Dak. She, she and Dak are very very close. Very close. She and she and Dak are good. And so uh, Jory's headline is: How much will Cowboys offense change under Mike McCarthy? Dak Prescott weighs in. And so the central question she had here after catching up with him at Super Bowl was: How much will the Cowboys system change as head coach Mike McCarthy takes over play calling? And Dak said, "Right now, Mike told me about 30 percent change. I think." Uh, if anything, it's things that need to be changed. It's great to dial in, fix some things, get sharper and crisper. I'm excited. So uh, there's a couple other quotes, and we'll kind of go down the list of, of other things that I had to say. But right off the bat, when you hear 20 to 30% change, if McCarthy has said something like that to Dak, and Dak has relayed that, what is what is 20 to 30%? Mean? That sounds – does that mean like, hey, we're going to change – we're going to change our language. So the language makes up 20 to 30% of it. Or is it we're going to throw out 20 to 30% of what's typically been in the game plan? When you, if you were to hear something like that, do you think that's just a BS number they're throwing out, a BS estimate? Or do you think that is indicative of you're going to see some moderate changes? It's not going to be a complete overhaul, but there will be some moderate changes. I kind of feel like that it is, uh, I want to say kind of a BS number. And I say a BS number because – you don't know until you sit down and start to go through your roster and what you have, what you don't have, how you're going to line up up front, what running backs are you going to have? Are you going to have both running backs here? Are you going to have one running back here? Are you going to draft a receiver? Are you going to draft a tight end? You know, there's a lot of things that are kind of going into this. I think some of the changes he needs to think about is maybe Mike McCarthy doesn't like the option route stuff. Dak was talking about, no, I want to keep the option route stuff in. 
that's probably a discussion that Dak and Mike are going to have to have going forward uh, or the way that Mike's going to call those particular routes. I think Mike needs to figure out how to get the screen game going uh, uh, much better here. It's non-existent. You know, I mean, you talk about changes that need to be made. You know, teams are doing a great job of getting backs in space with screen packages. They're getting tight ends in space with screen packages. But I don't know if Mike can throw a number on it like 20 or 30%. I kind of feel like Dak is being really, really good to try to say there's going to be change. There could be there could be a hundred percent change, you know. But I think it's all about personnel groups. When they sit down and look at the cut-ups, what were they really, really good at? What were they really bad at? And then they need to implement a better job with their screen packages. On the screen packages, what what coaches are you like? Like, I mean, obviously Mike McCarthy, Brian Schottenheimer, they're going to be involved in that. But are you are you also, I guess, pulling in Mike Solari, whoever yeah. running backs coaches? Where where would you look for? Is there a specific position group where you'd look for help from that? Like, would Solari be the main coach you'd be trying to work with? Like, hey, how do we fix this screen game? Or is that more a, a thing you'd ask from like the backs coaches and things? I think it's. A, I really, and I'm not just trying to give you a blanket answer here. But I really do believe that everybody needs to sit in that room and Mike needs to delegate, all right, who are the best screen teams in the National Football League? Who are the best screen teams in college football? Who, you know, let's look at analytics here. You know, I I know I'm focusing on screen stuff and all that, but teams are using this as a weapon. And the Cowboys, it's just non-existent. Tied in screens, running back screens, just non-existent. And so one of the point of emphasis that I would do if I was Mike McCarthy is I would say, okay, everybody sit down and let's come up with some ideas of how we're going to implement a better screen game or a better, if you want to call it deceptives game, you know, uh, whether it's counter runs or, you know, motion, stuff like that. I would challenge my coaches during this dead period that you're talking about, Bobby, to, you know, before we get really cracking on this draft, is to let's come up with some – let's steal some ideas from some people. You know, let's watch Kansas City's screen package. Let's watch Philadelphia's screen package. Let's watch Jacksonville's screen package. You know, let's get some ideas that we can maybe steal from. And it's going to be up to Mike Solari to say, okay, we've got offensive linemen that can do this. We've got backs that can do this. But until you completely really know who you have personnel-wise – it's just like I really like these ideas, and to be a part of it, to make it part of what we're doing, we're going to have to have these kinds of players. I, I think that's something that you you clearly you self evaluate, you self scout, and then you kind of figure out, okay, these are things we want to do. Do we have the personnel to do it? These coaches have got to come up to speed. Uh, Schottenheimer has been here, you know, but Solari hasn't. He's got to come up to speed of watching all this tape and kind of sitting down and seeing what he has these offensive linemen. You know, when you, you you mentioned the coaches that need to sit in on this meeting, we're still – we don't have a quarterback's coach named. I think in all likelihood that will be Scott Tolzien eventually. Um, they have not named a running back's coach. So we're, we're still kind of waiting around for two parts there. Now, before we jump back into the, the comments, as I mentioned, don't have a quarterback's coach yet. It's expected to be Tolzien. And then I think replacing Tolzien is the assistant uh, – offensive coach with a focus on quarterbacks is probably that higher they made this week will harriger from usc 
um, who had been also had spent several years in Seattle with Russell Wilson, working with him and Brian Schottenheimer there. Uh, Dan Quinn hired him in Atlanta to do some work. He was uh, Trevor Lawrence's quarterback coach in uh, 2021. Um, but Will Harriger, another guy, as, as we kind of briefly dovetail real quick, Harriger, a guy who at USC gets a lot of credit when you talk to people for being hands-on and working with Caleb Williams, who who saw a lo- who showed a lot of growth as a sophomore in 2022. Uh, did you hear wh- what did you hear when talking to people about Harriger? Yeah, I asked a bunch of people around the league, and they were all saying really, really bright, really smart, hard worker. They said the guy actually has a really good eye for evaluation of uh, for the draft and for free agency and things like that. So. Uh, my my buddies who are general managers that know him uh, felt like that, man, this guy can not only help you as a coach, but he could also help you as an evaluator. And so I think that's a real positive as well. Now, back to what Dak had to say at uh, Super Bowl. We talked about the 20, 30% change, but and we're breaking out a lot for just a single answer here. But he says, I think if anything, it's things that need to be changed. What do you think Dak's talking about? I mean, we're asking to get into his head a little bit. But that sounds almost like Dak had some issues with the offense last year. Yeah, I I think he did. I think that to me, um, you know, I think that not only did Dak have some issues with the offense, I think the coaches had some issues with Dak, you know, and I I think it really was a two-way street. I think there's some things that they wanted to do, and maybe they were felt like that they were a little bit handicapped from doing it, whether it was personnel, uh, whether it was fearful of the fear of mistake. Uh, whether it was the fear of actually reading the defenses and kind of understanding, okay, I need to go here with the ball. I, I really do think this was a two-way street. I don't think that, you know, I, I when you look at Kellen Moore, I kind of feel like that if you sat down and had a beer with him right now, he would probably tell you, hey, this is what I really, really didn't like about working with Dak. You know, everybody up front is talking about, oh, it's mutual, we're good, that's, you know, but there's probably, Kellen Moore's probably saying, hey, I couldn't do this with him or I couldn't do that. And then on the flip side, you sit down and have a beer with Dak. He's like, well, when Kellen would call this, I, you know, I, I there's no way we could do this. I mean, he's asking me to do something that we just couldn't do. Didn't have the personnel, didn't have the, uh, you know, didn't have the, it wasn't the right time, you know? So I, I, I think that there was a little bit, when you get a parting of the ways, you know, and, and especially as successful as this offense was with points and yards and stuff like that, rankings, Man, there had to be something super, super, super wrong for them to to and and maybe the head coach had a problem with Kellen Moore, you know, and maybe the head coach agreed with Dak Prescott that hey, we're trying to do something that we're not capable of doing, and you know, and that and Kellen's like, well, damn, we're one of the best offenses in the league. We score points. We could probably be even better if you guys would just allow me to do this. So there was clearly something wrong on both sides here. Yeah, and I think, look, we, we've we talked before, there was tension with Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy for almost the entire time they were de- there together. To be honest, and look, this is to be expected. I talked about this on 105 Through the Fan on uh, Friday morning. And and Brian, I'm sure we've not talked about it a lot because, I mean, I think it's in the past. It's, it's not relevant. But I, I'm sure you heard some of the same things. That was not – 2020 was not, even before he got hurt, was not the easiest transition. There's There's natural tension that – builds up when you've got a new head coach and a quarterback. And I think over time they've uh, grown better and then grown close to each other. Now things are great, but I think the, the in general Kellen Moore trying to incorporate 
his own ideas, the ideas that Scott Linehan had that he probably picked up from him, that from Jason Garrett, um, and then the stuff Mike wanted to include in the West Coast offense. Probably frustrating for Kellen Moore to create an offense that he felt was a bit of a hodgepodge and less just singularly what he wanted to do. And, and for Dak, I'm sure my thought of that when he said some things that need to be changed, I think Dak would rather say, give me Mike McCarthy's West Coast system or give me Kellen Moore and whatever system he wants to run. Don't give me this, you know, it's why Kurt Warner and guys talk about it doesn't look like a coherent, you know, scheme when you watch them play offense out there. And so I, I think it's because it is such a a mix of just a variety of different things. So it's probably best to just commit to let Kellen run the offense he wants or let Mike McCarthy run the offense he wants. But this blend really wasn't working out anymore. Yeah. Relationship. Dak Prescott said, when you lose a friend, you're going to be upset, but that's the nature of this business. When I say I'm upset, he's gone. It's not that I'm upset about the future. It's that when you're a player, you have a relationship that uh, you have a relationship we've had when he was a player. Uh, I watched his success and watched him grow into the coordinator that he is. I'm just as excited about our opportunity as I am for a new start for Kellen. There is zero doubt at this point, I think, from what we've heard from both sides, because I know there was a question earlier, like, oh, Kellen Moore got fired. The more you hear people talk about it, and it's there in Dak's quote there, this was 100% mutual, Kellen Moore and the Cowboys splitting. Yeah, I, I, it was, it, you know, it, it had to happen. I, I, you know, I mean, it. It had to happen. It really, really. I mean, I, I think that, you know, to me, Dak is, uh, you know, Dak is here. That's, I mean, they're they've committed to him. Uh, they've committed to, um, to trying to, uh, uh, you know, do what's best for him. And moving on from Kellen Moore, Mike McCarthy felt like obviously that moving on from him or moving on from Kellen would probably be the best thing for Dak. So, you know, that's kind of where all this is at right now, um, you know, with uh, with that. And I, you know, and I'm OK with that. If Mike makes that decision that they're that they're going to be better off with him calling the plays, then you know what? And it's going to help Dak. Uh, I, am, I am all I am all for that. Something had to be done. And I think they I think they did the right thing here. I really do. Last quote here from Dak Prescott in the article of Jory Epstein from uh, Yahoo Sports. He says, sometimes change is good. I'm a big believer in change, and I'm excited for Mike calling the plays. I'm excited for Shoddy. That's Brian Schottenheimer. I'm excited for just being able to dial into this offense and just really get it to where we want it to be. I'm excited as hell. Is there a little bit of Dak quarterback speak there, Brian, or uh, do you think that that's that's his legitimate feeling on it? I think – I think there's I think there's sometimes some quarterback speak there, you know. But I also feel like though that this is a this is a, like I said this is something that that needed to be needed to be done. And I, I you know what I I'm looking forward to seeing how Mike McCarthy handles Dak Prescott. I'm looking forward to seeing how uh, Brian Schottenheimer handles Dak Prescott. I, I really do. I, I I've heard nothing but positive positive things about Brian Schottenheimer coming from defensive players, you know, yeah. talking about, you know, what they believe Brian Schottenheimer, how he can help. So if guys are buying into Brian Schottenheimer, well then, you know, if, if Dak Prescott buys into him as well, I kind of feel like that that's uh that's something that uh, is going to be good going forward. You're listening to the love of the star podcast. The love of the stars and odyssey podcast. You can find it on the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. All right, before we move on, I need to tell you guys about our wonderful partner here at Love the Star. It is Boomer Jacks. We've been talking to you guys about Boomer Jacks for several months now, and we're so excited when you guys tag us on social media. When you tag me, we tag Brian, and you're like, hey, look, I'm out here at Boomer Jacks. I'm enjoying these wings on Tuesday, these bone-in wings, these half-rice bone-in wings. Wednesdays, I'm enjoying these half-rice boneless wings, or every other day of the week, the drink specials that you're enjoying. Boomer Jacks really is the perfect spot for whatever you're looking for. Like I mentioned, Tuesdays are half-rice bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half-rice boneless wings. And they've got great drink specials all the other days of the week, too. Drink specials starting at $3, $15 buckets of beer. It is just a wonderful atmosphere to go watch the game with your buddies, You know, have happy hour with the coworkers, just have a nice dinner with your family. There are 17 DFW locations, so you can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That's boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, uh, you and I are both big fans of the draft, uh, by the way. Got some some two lane offense in Brian. We're gonna be how about that? Yeah, running back sharp. Uh, yeah. get just got the Georgia offense in, so uh, we're we're loaded and ready to go. You are how deep are you in on players at this point? Probably about a hundred and forty. Look at that. Yeah. All right. I, yeah. So I'm like uh, I'm like a hundred behind you, Brian. But I, <laughs> I run through these. I run through. I I can knock out four in a night. I'll get caught up like that. We're gonna go fast here, Brian. I can I can do even more than that. But um, as we look at this draft now, you and I are gonna talk a lot about this. I'm gonna be in Indy uh, at the end of the month or beginning of next month and uh, be able to to conduct a few meetings. Hopefully, get some good insight there. I'll start. You know, talking to contacts here, get thoughts about what everybody thinks about these guys. But as we open up in the draft, the Cowboys are picking 26th. If I – let's just kind of look at this broadly a little bit. We're just going to talk generally about the NFL draft for this segment and and what's loaded up here. When you look at this draft, where is it – where is it deepest, do you think? You're going to make me look – you're going to make me pull up my board for what I've got so far right now. <laughs> Uh, After you turn off your watch, I'll make you. Pull I it. did. I just, I just hit the button. <laughs> I just hit the button on that watch. Uh, from as you I, look that up, as you look that up, I will say, I think there's a lot of really good edge players in this yeah. draft. No, I like I said, I am trying to get my computer to pop up. I, Ta- I actually, if, if you I, if you talk depth, a lot of edge. If you talk maybe a little top heavier, still decent depth. But I think at the top, there's a lot of really good corners. Yeah, yeah. I, I, like I said, I, I put together my my board last night and I didn't pull it up. Uh, now it's like when your computer needs to fire up and it doesn't fire up. Yeah. All right, here we go. Uh, I right now I have twenty players with first round grades, and um, so player twenty one on back would be considered second round players. I kind of feel like though, if you look at 
the quality of the players at there's really there's good names at wide receiver. Um, that's that's like, a deep that's a deeper position for you though, right? Not top. It's, heavy. it's not top heavy. If you're talking about top heavy for me, I would think that the quarterback spot would be the most top heavy position, and then also then the edge would be the next. Where I have the biggest gaps are at linebacker. Uh, and I have a I have a little bit of a da- a little bit of a gap uh, at uh, the top of the board. I've got several like second round centers and several uh, second round one techniques. And but that if you look at just quality throughout the whole round of one, two, three, four, for what I have so far, it's all the cornerbacks. It's it's every one of them is the cornerbacks. So. That's kind of where we're at right now, as far as my boards. I think there's, I think there's a little bit of some, uh, some depth at offensive tackle, especially early, and then there's a couple of guys there in the second round, and then it kind of goes off into the the third round as well. So, defensively, it would be well. Let's do this: wide receiver, offense, uh, wide receiver, tight end, offensive tackle, uh, edge, and then cornerbacks would be where I'm at I look at that's where it's deep right there for you is the thinnest position I know a lot of times people like to to couple guard and center together as interior offensive linemen but it feels like there's a big drop off with guard yeah that that, I mean people like Osiris Torrance from Florida in the first round I know but man I think when you look at guard this year it's like uh if you really want one it's it's kind of Torrance at the beginning and then there's a drop. I mean, there there's, you know, Avila from TCU. There's Voorhees from USC. Like, you got a couple other guys that you can look at. But it's not very it's not very rich at the top for guards, if that's what you want. And the Cowboys, they may need a guard if they move on from Connor McGovern. Yeah, I, but that's the thing about it is, is it going to be the guy that's the converted tackle that's playing guard? I mean, we talk about uh, Torrance uh, from Florida talk about Avia from TCU. Those guys are kind of like, those are like guys that are like guards. And now, now when you go down in that round, McClendon, uh, McFadden, those players uh, are a little bit further down the board. But like I say, there's a, there's, there's a really big drop between those like top two guys to where you're at uh, now in that, uh, in that, uh, at that position. Now, when you look at, you know, when I say it's kind of Torrance and then down, you're right in terms of, okay, how do you view guys? Uh, I'll tell you somebody that I I absolutely love, and I know just from uh, the way we had spoken um, yesterday about this guy, Peter Skaronsky at Northwestern. Yeah. I, I know so, it depends if you have him as a guard. I wouldn't, I wouldn't play with him. I'd, I'd put him at tackle. That's a guy who actually got to Northwestern as a center. So it's a guy with uh, center background who played really, really well at tackle, and some people want to put inside a guard. I know our buddy Dane Brugler. He has yeah. uh, uh, he has Skaronsky as a guard. Um, but for me, I look at this as the Rashawn Slater question all over again. And yeah. to me, if you were to get Skaronsky, he'd be right there. Now, if the Cowboys, they're not going to pick Skaronsky. Skaronsky's going in the top yeah. ten, and Dallas is not picking there. But if Dallas were to get somebody like that, Let's do this for fun, just as a fun little exercise for you, Brian. Dallas picks Skaronsky. Which which guy are you playing at tackle? And which are you playing at guard between Tyler Smith and Peter Skaronsky? 
I'll have Skaronsky rated as an offensive tackle. I don't have him as a guard, so I'd put. But you, but you have, but you have Tyler as a tackle too, don't you? I would put Tyler Smith at guard, and I would put uh, Skaronsky at tackle. I, I mean, you, I, you, to me, I I like Skaronsky, and I don't. Th- I think everybody makes a big deal about like the short arms and stuff like that, but I think he can play tackle just fine. I, I don't have I don't have a problem with him, and you know that this this team was up, up until the time that that Tyron Smith got hurt was looking at Tyler Smith as a guard. So, yeah, I don't, I mean, that's to me, I, you know, at least, you know, now that Tyler Smith can play tackle, you might do the same thing with Skaronsky. You might put him uh, at guard, but I I've seen, I've seen, I don't know. I've seen both these guys I've seen, but I've seen Tyler Smith play tackle in this league. You're, you're absolutely right. You might just take that kid and, and move him, uh, Skaronsky, the Northwestern offensive tackle, you might move him to guard. Have we, you know, you know how uh, you've always said, you know, back when you were in your scouting days, there's there's no chance you're ever put a, you're, you're never drafting Kyler Murray number one back when you were yeah. a scout. Nobody's ever drafting Baker Mayfield number one. You talked about similarly a guy like Zay Flowers, the receiver at Boston College. That's a guy that would have been written off. Uh, back in, in your days. And I know you're a big fan of Zay Flowers. Um, yeah. But when you look at that, do you think the next thing to sort of uh, get knocked down a little bit might be arm length at tackle? Yeah, I mean, people are very critical about arm length because they're saying these rushers, if you can't keep these rushers off you, if you can't get your right. hands inside and they're grabbing your shoulder and pulling around you, or they're bullying you and getting you off balance and all that. That's where arm. That's where arm length is. You know, sure, it's, like, it's like cornerbacks. You know, if you got a, if you got a short arm corner, they always make a big deal about wingspan length and all that stuff like that. Because if you're trying to like hit a uh, knock the ball away from a receiver and you keep hitting him in the wrist and not getting the ball, is that your arm length? Is that a problem? Is that keeping you from doing things? Sure, it is. So I I just kind of feel like that. To me, uh, I'm in that mode of like, you know, if guys can play, they can play. They figure out how to play without short, uh, without arm length. You know, Skaronsky has figured out how to play tackle at a very high level without his arm length. You know, and, and he's not playing it like some small division. He's playing against legitimate pass rushers every weekend, and he's doing just fine. So, I mean, in the NFL, is that, I mean, we've seen short arm guys have some success. As long as their feet's good, or feet are good, and as long as they have power, and they're able to to do to play that way. Yeah, and see that that's what made me a little bit curious about it in terms of just if that would be the next one to to go down a little bit. Like for instance, a lot of people like Jonah Williams when he came out of Bama and he's played for for the Bengals. Shorter arms, Joe Staley, shorter arms, Rashawn Slater, shorter arms. Um, Gosh, who are some of the other ones that we've had in recent years? Isaiah Wynn, who he got hurt, but he was a good player before that. Taylor Luan's a guy who has under 34-inch arms. So do you I, think – when will the – do you think that idea is going to be slow to change, though? Because I feel like that – like, I mean, this team, for instance, this Cowboys team, I don't think will ever let somebody with under-threshold arms play tackle, regardless of how good their feet are. Now, Zach Barton, I think, was 32 and 7 eighths. Yeah. And it, they would have – they've they've been comfortable with him playing tackle before, but he's obviously a Hall of Famer. But do you think that teams will ever be moved off of that? Or do you think it's going to have to be, nope, you're just going to have to always prove them wrong, and that Skaronsky will have to, to fight that? I think it's something that he's probably always going to I, – I, I don't 
teams are weird about this stuff. Like I said, 20 years ago, you'd have never drafted Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray in the first overall pick. You wouldn't right. have done that. You just wouldn't do that. There are things that, like uh, Flowers, the 5'9", there's just several yeah. receivers that are really good in this draft. Washington, the kid from Penn State, he's 5'10". There's short receivers in this draft. Let me just tell you, there's guys in this league that are making plays every single day that have some deficiency to them. You know, you have to figure it out. There's a reason why Skaronsky is the number one tackle in this draft, maybe the number one offensive lineman in this draft, because he's a damn good player. Now, if you want to ding him for short arms and not like him and all that, well, then by all means, go for it. But you'll be playing against the guy, and he'll be blocking your long-armed defensive ends. <laughs> You know, and keeping him from getting any sacks in the game. You know when you were when you were evaluating, and, and even maybe still today, let's say, um, is there a threshold that you still would follow? Like, if you were in a draft room today, is there a threshold that you would fight for? Like, hey, I don't want a defensive end with arms this length. I need my uh, I need my receiver to have this forty time. Like, is there is there a trait that you go? This is a threshold for me that I just I can't break. I think the thing that bothers me the most, especially watching the way that football is played today, I don't think you can have heavy-footed or slow offensive linemen. I just don't. I just don't. I think there's the athletes are too good in this game. Uh, at defensive tackle, at, at edge. I just think there's – I think you have to get up on the second level and block. I think you have to be able to adjust the twists. I think you have to be able to pick up blitzes. I don't think you could be heavy-footed and play offensive line in this league. I just don't. That's Is something that's, – that's, and that's those are the problems that I have when I look at guys like a Torrance because I think Torrance at 347 pounds looks slow-footed. You know, he doesn't – I mean, I if you're, if you're a tick late against a lot of these defensive linemen, you are going to lose. And I, I like Torrance – but I don't like him at 347 pounds, the Florida guard. I would much rather him be if he could get the 327, you know, 320, something like that. I think he would be a better player. But if you're going to play at 350 and you're going to your feet are going to be questionable, I I don't think I can I can live with that. I really really don't. What uh, so when it comes to to footwork and slow footedness and stuff like that, what sh- is there a specific? Is it just a workout drill you would look for? Is there a testing number like with three cone? Watch, three, watch the sh- change of direction, but watch the shuttles, watch the three cone, watch any drills they put these guys through at the combine where they have to laterally slide or kick away from the line of scrimmage. They do that one drill where it tackles they'll kick from the line of scrimmage and they have to cut off the rusher from the outside. If you're seeing a guy that is late getting over there, it. That's that's a, that's a red flag to me. If you can't get out of your stance, the one saving grace that Terrence Steele has because he's not strong, he's got like outstanding feet. That that, yeah. that helped. I mean, he could he does a great job of making you run over him to get to the ball. You know, he might not be able to just blow you off the ball and control you and all that, but he can cut you off. He can reach you. He can position block. That's that's why you could be valuable. If you it, it, it it's I, I know forty year old Jason Peters, you know it was it, he was to the end. But if everything was just a simple drive block, he's golden. But when it turns into oh we've got to reach and cut off scoop, 
and you can't get your head across and that that defensive tackle is running down inside, you know, there's no cutback lane or anything like that, you're no good. You're no good to the team there. You're really no good. All right. I got uh, – I'm just going to have some some quick – some quick answers from me. I'm going to give you a, 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 a descriptor and then you give me your answer off the top of your head, which player fits it. Okay. All right. All right. Best route runner in the draft. Uh, Smith and Jigba. Beth, uh, best play strength on offensive line. Uh, probably right from Tennessee. Best recovery speed at corner. Uh, I would have to say, man, there's times when Ringo gets beat, but he can run it down. I would say, I would probably say, I would probably say Ringo from Georgia. Best technician at edge rusher. Uh, that would be probably Wilson from Texas Tech. Yes, he's very good. I think we're going to have him in the 105 through the fan studios next week. I there think you go. I think he's going to come sit down with us. And finally, I know you haven't stacked it yet, but best player in the draft. Man, I would say I'm going to probably say it's B. John Robinson. Yes, there we go, Brian. But see, but, but see, everybody will put quarterbacks up there and stuff like that. I actually have Wilson, Texas Tech edge over Anderson on my board. I have Porter, corner, Penn State over Gonzalez from uh, – from uh, Oregon as, yep. the, as the best corner in the draft. I have Robinson and Gibbs. Gibbs from Alabama is the two backs. Um, and then you mentioned the only tight end I have in the first round is uh, is Mayer, Meyer from uh, Notre Dame. But these uh, these wide receivers – now, I like Musgrave. I got – Do you have a two? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. uh, Musgrave, Musgrave, Washington from Georgia, Kincaid from Utah would be my guys there. But I think that when you look at like these guys, like I, I think that the wide receivers you mentioned, that Smith and Jigba, I think he's got a really good feel for how to run routes. I really, really do. You're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, before we move on, I need to tell you guys about our wonderful partner here at Love the Star. It is Boomer Jacks. We've been talking to you guys about Boomer Jacks for several months now, and we're so excited when you guys tag us on social media we tag me we tag brian and you're like hey look i'm out of here at boomer jacks i'm enjoying these wings on tuesday these bone-in wings these half rice bone-in wings wednesdays i'm enjoying these half rice boneless wings or every other day of the week the drink specials that you're enjoying boomer jacks really is the perfect spot for whatever you're looking for like i mentioned tuesdays are half rice bone-in wings wednesdays are half rice boneless wings and they've got great drink specials all the other days of the week too drink specials starting at three dollars fifteen dollar buckets of beer it is just a wonderful atmosphere to go watch the game with your buddies, you know, have happy hour with the coworkers, just have a nice dinner with your family. There are 17 DFW locations, so you can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That's boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, it is now time for our Dean Julia Love of the Star mailbag. Uh, got a few questions that we can go through. First question here from at cool underscore Elway. Do you think they could double dip at a position this year? So I, I would... They could always double dip over seven rounds. So I assume you mean more like, let's say, first four rounds. Do you think there's a chance they would take a position twice in the first four rounds? I do not. I do not. Zero I chance. What, what would be the position they would most likely do it with? I think the position that you would probably – how well do you feel about what's going on at uh, 
how could you feel about running back if you get rid if you get Pollard gone and you got uh if you have Pollard gone and you have uh Zeke gone would you take one early then take one later in the draft you know like a one and a you took one at, at 26 and then another like in the fifth round you know you yeah, especially, you know, especially if you, yeah especially if you feel like Malik Davis still has growing up to do you you could probably you could do it at corner you could probably take one in the first if you wanted it 26 and you could go all the way down uh, to, uh, I believe it's Garrett Williams from Syracuse I have in the fourth round. I think he would be a great player to have because of his toughness and all that. That could be a double-dip position for me. Uh, next question here from Luke Wells. Will Cavante Turpin gain more of a role on offense this next year? His skill set is similar to that of Tyreek Hill. Cavante Turpin did tell Blogging the Boys last week that – he had his exit meeting and he he communicated to them like, hey, I think I can do more. I think I can be somebody who – and he said his goal in training camp is going to be make it so they can't – you know, they, they have no choice but to put me on the field. Yeah, I I still think Kevontae Turpin's max is he's a 10-12 to 12 play gadget player. That's his very highest ceiling. Maybe that's something that Kellen Moore just absolutely did not want to do. You know, there was also some times where they he fumbled and muffed a couple of punts and stuff like that. So uh, he had some big plays. Maybe the trust factor with Kellen Moore was not there. You know, I'd like to see that they would take opportunities in some of the preseason games. I know against, I think it was the last preseason game. I don't know if it's against the Texans, Texans or Jacksonville. Uh, Texans. Uh, yeah. I think it was Texans. I think it was Texans. I think it was Texans. That they uh, they they had a route where rush overthrew him. They ran him out of bunch formation and they cleared the route and he was wide open. So I I think it's more on Kellen Moore and maybe now with Mike McCarthy, maybe with the new staff, they're coming and maybe uh, Brian Schottenheimer will try and implement something that they've stole from somebody on tape. Next question here from uh, Danny. He's asking, are the Cowboys drafting a quarterback this year or next? I don't know if that's to replace Dak. I don't know if that's his inference. I think it probably is. I think Danny's not a big Dak Prescott fan. But just in general, let's say, what is the earliest, and I think you asked this on Gbag the other day, what is the earliest I mean, drafting a quarterback this year? I, You know what? I, I, I kind of feel like, though, that to me, and I've, I've looked at several of these quarterbacks already, and I know that uh, – I know that uh, Hendon Hooker uh, from Tennessee is a guy that I kind of kept my eye on. I really want nothing to do with Tanner McKee from Stanford. I just don't think he's very good. But Hendon Hooker at 6'4", 218 pounds, this guy's a transfer from Virginia Tech. I know he he, he hurt his ACL against South Carolina uh, in November of uh, you know 20 of that. But this guy, you watch him play. He's a big, sturdy guy. He's got the ideal height and weight. He's accurate. He moves to avoid trouble. He has a feel for how to escape. He glides as a runner. I mean, he appears like he's kind of moving slow, but he's really kind of covering some ground. It's amazing how open the Tennessee receivers are at these on these games. Yeah. He, I mean, he holds the ball to the very last moment and then lets that thing fly. But I think he's got a really talented group of wide receiver. I think it's extremely tough. I think that somebody – I have Hendon Hooker in the fourth round. I wouldn't be surprised if he went in the third round. I think he's a really, really, really good player. I think I think people whoever get whoever gets him is going to get a guy. I don't think that gets he doesn't get rattled at all. He plays really well in clutch moments of games. So I think that you could you could see a guy like that be a, a selection for the Cowboys, especially if they get that extra compensatory four. Right now, talking to people over there, 
They've, they've seen a couple different models where they thought it was five, five, six, what they were going to get, but they believe they're looking at four, five, six. So you pick up that extra four, uh, you could do a lot of good with that. I have not seen this guy yet. Uh, he's on my list because somebody recommended that I check him out. And so I, I don't have a, a feel for this guy yet. I don't know if you've seen him. Have you seen Jaron Hall yet, the quarterback from BYU? No, not yet. Not okay, yet. Jaron Hall somebody that I need. Because I've just heard like, hey, really precise, really accurate. Mm-hmm. If you're talking about, you know, perfect timing and, and needing to be really on point with some of these West Coast concepts, that might be a guy that is of some interest if you're looking at a, a later round quarterback. But I agree. If a Hendon Hooker is there at the right time, I, I think they could absolutely uh, take something like that. Question here from uh, John asking about any word on quarterback and running back coach. Quarterback coach, again, I think is likely to be Scott Tolzien. Brian, have you heard any chatter on the running back coach? I've, got, I've had nothing ever since wow. those couple guys for offensive coordinator. Is it like them to, to drag this long, especially with combine coming up? Yeah, I think they might be. I think I'm not saying they're waiting on a guy, but I think this is kind of an important hire because they've got to figure out what they're going to do at the running back position. So to me, I, I think that they're going to kind of figure out what they're going to do at running back. And then it's going to and then the hire is going to come from that. There's some guys off these staffs that have been released that you might uh, take an opportunity uh, to look at. Uh, you know, I, I just, to me, I, I, I think it's, it's one of those things that's a position. I think they got the offensive line coach first. That's really the most important position. I think that they can take a little bit more time on this running back coach. Here's a, here's a fun question. This sounds like Brian brought a special here. This is the kind of question that if somebody asked you this on the draft show, I think you, you'd get a big smile on your face and, and go, Oh, I like this just cause it's, it's a fun, uh, out of the box thought. Are we? This is from uh, DCU. Are we sure Jalen Hyatt is the best receiver coming out of Tennessee? Uh, I think he is myself. I, I think he know, is too. But Cedric Tillman's good. Cedric Tillman's a really, really good player. But if you if you ask me if you ask me to stack where I would have I have high I have Hyatt in the first round and I have Tillman in the third. I, I that's that's Ooh. that's just the way my top three wide receivers on my board as they sit. Addison Hyatt and Johnston are my top three receivers on my board. Second round, Smith and Jigba from Ohio State, Downs from North Carolina, Boutte from LSU, and then Scott from Cincinnati. Those are my top seven uh, uh, wide receivers right now. If you were drafting specifically for the Cowboys, but I guess just in general, which would you rather have here in terms of your evaluation? Would you have – would you rather? Would you prefer receiver game breaking speed like a guy like Hyatt has? Hyatt's a, I mean, he's going to run like a three seven in the forty. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's got ridiculous speed. That or do you prefer? Would you rather have a guy who maybe doesn't have the best top end speed, but the you know competitive toughness and the ability to make you know contested catches in traffic? Just basically, the the guy who can make those tight contested. I guess. The question basically comes down to an X or a Z. Like, like, which style receiver would you rather prefer for what the Cowboys are looking at? I think the Cowboys need some speed on the outside. I think they do. I think, you know, but now the, the offense might dictate them uh, to have more bigger bodied guys, you know, and if that's the case, then uh, a guy like Rice from SMU, uh, Boutte from LSU, those are bigger guys. Guy like Downs is a little bit of a shorter guy from North Carolina. Smith and Jig is a little bit of a shorter guy, right at six foot. 
Uh, this is an interesting group of wide receivers because there's not those. I mean, the Addison Hyatt Johnston combination that I just gave you. Yeah. I don't think they would stack very well with what we've seen the last three years at wide receiver. I just don't. I don't think they would with the Lambs, Jefferson, Chase kind of combinations, those groups that we've seen. I don't think these guys would stack particularly well. I think those guys would be Addison Hyatt and Johnston would be below who I would just those names I just mentioned. That does it for us here on the Love of the Star podcast, but we will be back with you guys again shortly. And uh, if, you, if you have any questions throughout the week before we record, you know, make sure to drop those for us. Uh, we, we love talking draft with you guys. And, you know, it's, it's not going to be too long before Jerry's sitting on that bus in Indy. And we probably start hearing rumors about which way they're, they're thinking about some of their own guys and, and some other potential free agents. Uh, there will be a lot to discuss with you guys over the coming months. Uh, until next time, we'll see you guys later.